You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot to talk about with the uh, crazed anti-Trump Russia hysteria reaching a peak this week. Of course, it always seems to reach a new peak uh, with every uh, uh, fake news story out there about non-collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Also, some good news on the election integrity front. We have a major federal court consent decree that's going to result in cleaner elections. Also, we're in a court fight with the ATF about documents about an Obama-era effort to ban certain ammo, and it's this ATF that's playing games with us. I'll talk to you about that. Also, some outrageous developments uh, that are related to the Russia scandal. Uh, They're thinking of granting immunity to Anthony Podesta to testify in the Manafort case. Uh, Some really outrageous activity there by, again, the Mueller operation. I'll talk about that. Also, some big developments in the sense that we are expecting documents as we speak about FISA court applications targeting Carter Page and the Trump team. The documents are finally coming. I'll talk to you about that as well. But first up is, as I said, the crazed anti-Trump hysteria related to Russia. The president came back this week from his uh, summit and visit to Europe. He had a a meeting with Vladimir Putin, and uh, the media has just been in a tizzy ever since. And what's And we have to take a step back because the scandal of this anti-Trump hysteria, because it is a scandal, it's all manufactured, it's not real in the sense that people truly are concerned about Trump's relationship with Russia being inappropriate. Uh, You have to take a step back to the indictment issued last week against uh, 12 uh, agents of Russia, uh, their intelligence services, I think their military intelligence services last week, by the Mueller DOJ. It's not the Sessions DOJ anymore in this regard. It's the Mueller DOJ. And supposedly Rod Rosenstein went to President Trump earlier last week. So this is a week before the summit with Putin. The Deputy Attorney General for the United States reportedly goes to President Trump and says, we're going to uh, set a grenade off in the middle of your summit by indicting these 12 Russians three days before your summit. And what was President Trump supposed to say? Was he supposed to say uh, no? Was he supposed to say delay it? Or was he supposed to, as Rosenstein expected him to do, uh, not object at all? Talk about putting the president in a corner. And this shows you that the Justice Department and Mueller and, and Mr. Rosenstein, to the extent he allows this to take place, is out of control. Because when you indict foreign nationals of a superpower like Russia, uh, you're inviting the sort of uh, discord that we saw resulting uh, at the summit and its aftermath. And I bet you that the timing of that indictment was designed to disrupt the summit, designed to make the president look bad, and had zero to do with law enforcement purposes because the indictment was of people who were never going to show up here in the United States. In fact, uh, as, uh, Anthony, uh, Andy McCarthy, who's a great uh, observer of these issues, pointed out, Rosenstein mentioned during his press conference announcing the indictment that it would now be shipped off to the National Security Division of the Justice Department, which means 
Mueller's not going to be pursuing it anymore, and it's just going to sit there. So nothing's going to happen. And it allowed Putin to come in and say, oh, well, you're going to indict our people? Well, I want to question your ambassador. Oh, we're happy to question, allow our people to be questioned, but we want to question your people. And of course, you know, that's the sort of response and gainsmanship that would be obvious. But now the Justice Department seems to this Russia investigation to be running our foreign policy with respect to Russia. And the president and the so-called intelligence community, which is a corrupt, corruptly uh, corrupted or, uh, entity to the degree it is an entity, uh, are, are all being led around by the nose by the Mueller operation. I mean, if I were the president or if I were the intelligence community, I would have told the Justice Department, hold on, you're not issuing this indictment slash press release about issues we're largely aware of just to make yourselves look good and justify your existence. The Mueller Special Counsel, the existence of the Mueller Special Counsel. Because it's going to create a fissure in a sensitive relationship with Russia. And you know, you're, you don't have to like Putin to think that maybe the Justice Department shouldn't be running Russia foreign policy through this out-of-control investigation investigating non-collusion with Americans. Now, I want you to think further about this. Mueller thus far has issued three indictments related to three key issues. The issue about hacking. Now, that was the indictment last week. And as Rosenstein mentioned during his press conference, there was no evidence of knowing collusion between any Americans and Russia on this hacking issue. So that issue's put aside. No collusion. He issued a, an indictment on the efforts to, uh, and I think this was last week as well, on uh, efforts to mess with our election system. Uh, for instance, there was an effort supposedly to, a successful one, to steal voter registration data and other assaults and attempted hacking, uh, attempted hacks or uh, incursions into computer systems of other state registration voter systems of the state voter systems. Something, by the way, the DHS was doing without telling the states about, too, uh, quote, to test them. So you had that alleged hack taking place according to this indictment by the Russians. No evidence of collusion knowingly with any American on that. Put that aside. And then thirdly, you had um, the issue of Russia buying $100,000 worth of Facebook ads to mess with our heads uh, around election time, both for and against Donald Trump, for and against Hillary Clinton, for and against Bernie Sanders. Again, that indictment took place earlier this year. It was an indictment, and that's the one that's now in the courts because the I think uh, Mueller indicted those people. Uh, it was a Russia front company and some others. The company actually showed up in court and is now demanding Mueller turn over information, which is horrifying the Justice Department and the, quote, intelligence community. So that indictment alleged no knowing cooperation or collusion with Americans. So ad buys by the Russians, bots, you know, the supposed bots, 
assault on election systems, and the alleged hacking of the Democrats. Of course, there were also attempted hacks of the Republicans, but the politicized Mueller operation downplayed that and didn't want to highlight that because that didn't help them take out President Trump, which is the goal of the Mueller special counsel operation. So think about this. So they've investigated the three key areas of supposed possible collusion with the Russians and found nothing between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Why is it we now need a Mueller special counsel? His job is done. Thank you, Mr. Mueller. His job is done. So uh, I've been calling for Mueller to be shut down since last year for a variety of reasons. But now he's investigated everything, we're told. Now, people will say, well, there are these other crimes that have popped up and obstruction and possible other issues. Well, we don't need Mueller to investigate that. We can have the special counsel, uh, the job related to those investigations, for instance, the, the, the uh, scandalous Manafort prosecution, nothing the U.S. attorney there in Virginia and District of Columbia can't handle. Like this indictment of the Russians, Mueller's not prosecuting that. Of course, there's nothing to prosecute, so he's happy to turn it over to the Justice Department. So the Justice Department is already taking away some of the jurisdiction of Mueller. It's being, quote, transferred. Shut it down. And, uh, but in the meantime, and I want to talk a little bit about this, is that we have, uh, we've got this, as I said, this anti-Trump hysteria caused by this uh, scam of a Mueller indictment against the Russians. And it doesn't mean it's not fact, the, the allegations aren't correct or not. Frankly, the indictment as it relates to the hacking of the DNC servers and Democratic Party servers, I think, is suspicious because uh, they didn't actually have the servers reportedly to examine. That's one of the issues related to the Awan brothers on Capitol Hill that the Justice Department is suppressing uh, investigations of, too. So you had that uh, cause a, a big stir. And then, of course, the president comes out and raises, he says something about, well, the intelligence community told me the Russians hacked or the Russians interfered. Putin, on the other hand, said they really didn't do it. And he was, you know, he was adamant about it. And he said, I don't think there's any reason, and I'm paraphrasing, to think the Russians would have been involved. And everyone said, well, that's horrifying. It means that you're taking the side of Putin as opposed to uh, uh, the, quote, intelligence community, which is out to get President Trump. Uh, and the president said, I misspoke. I said, wouldn't. And I think, he's, I think he's telling the truth there because the phrasing and the context makes it seem, just think about this. I'll say it again. The IC community told me the Russians ha uh, interfered. Putin said they didn't. I don't know of any reason to believe that Russia wouldn't have been the one. That makes sense in context because he's supporting the IC, the intelligence community, while not directly attacking Putin, which is, why, which is the way the president uh, approaches these issues. Because he feels like it's not his job to personally attack Putin because he thinks it would be in his... In his um, approach foreign policy-wise, a mistake. Doesn't mean he's collaborating with Putin. That's just silly. And on top of that, you have John Brennan. 
let's say he misspoke. You know, let's say he said what he said. It's treasonous to question the intelligence community. It's treasonous, according to John Brennan, to question the intelligence community. John Brennan is a CIA director under Obama. Uh, uh, he hates President Trump. He sends out, as I pointed out earlier uh, in a recent update, all these unhinged tweets attacking him and weirdly threatening him. And it really confirms, uh, it confirms the suspicions or it helps explain why, why uh, Brennan's CIA uh, would be targeting uh, then-candidate Trump inappropriately with spying and, and leaking and things like that. So uh, I, I tell you, this, this anti-Trump Russia hysteria is off the charts, but you know everything about anti-Trump hysteria is off the charts. A few weeks ago, it's children in cages, which was a make-believe story. Then he nominated Justice Kavanaugh or Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, and I think Hillary Clinton talked about slavery being imposed, and others opposing him said people were going to die. So, you know, that was escalated. And this week it's treason. I mean, next week is Trump going to be responsible for alien invasions? And, it, you know, all of this is, seems like a political analysis, but the problem is the Justice Department is pursuing Trump as if he is guilty of something when the evidence shows they're not, which means that it's partisan. Peter struck, we're going to stop Trump. Peter struck, we have insurance in case Trump wins. That is the Mueller investigation. And on top of it, we've got the outrageous news this week that Tony Podesta, Clinton crony fundraiser, brother of Anthony Podesta, uh, brother of John Podesta, another Clinton crony, who ran her campaign, was offered immunity to testify against Paul Manafort. Now, Judicial Watch had exposed documents because we're actually investigating the Podesta Group, the big lobbying firm that used to be. We have documents showing that uh, Anthony Podesta, Tony Podesta's Podesta Group, was lobbying the Clinton State Department on the Ukrainian interest that Manafort is being prosecuted for representing. This is the story. Manafort did not file the proper federal, uh, was it, uh, uh, Foreign Agents Registration Act forms related to his representation for pro-Russia Ukrainian interest. And that was the core issue related to his indictment. I don't think he needed to file the forms anyway, but, you know, I'm not his lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not his lawyer. Podesta had to do the same thing. Manafort was indicted. Podesta, the Clinton crony, wasn't indicted. Instead, he's being offered some type of immunity. How do you like them apples? Proving, in an almost outrageously comical way, if it weren't so... Uh, uh, at odds with the rule of law, that there's a, one set of rules if you're part of the Trump world and another set if you're part of the Clinton world and the Democrat world. And if I've said it once, I'll say it again. President Trump should shut down the Mueller operation, pause any criminal investigations which were corruptly instituted, and pursued in many respects, look into pardoning 
everyone targeted by Mr. Uh, Mueller's special counsel, who are Americans, they're Russians, they don't need pardons, and appoint a special special counsel, one that's constitutional and answerable to the rule of law, to investigate the corruption behind the uh, origins of the anti-Trump spying effort during the Obama administration that continued into his administration and was manifested and metastasized under the Mueller special counsel operation. Shut it down, pardon, investigate. Now let's get the documents out in the meantime. We sued for records on the FISA court warrants that were issued against Carter Page corruptly. You may recall Devin Nunes' intelligence committee exposed and blew the whistle on those FISA warrants because at their, at their heart, there be no far, at their heart were, was the Clinton DNC dossier created by Fusion GPS, a paid vendor of the Clinton campaign, Democratic National Committee, who laundered money through the law firm Perkins Coy, paid uh, Fusion GPS, who worked with Russian intelligence and Lord knows who else. They laundered that document into the Justice Department and the FBI, in part through Bruce Orr, whose wife worked at Fusion GPS, a vendor for the Clinton campaign. And they went to the FISA court and they said, oh, we've got all this reason to investigate Carter Page. All this reason was the Clinton DNC dossier because it was clear, according to the Intelligence Committee analysis, that there would have been no FISA application that would have been approved by the court but for the Clinton DNC dossier. And the court was never told about its origins, which would have called into question whether there was a legitimate basis for the warrant. So you have this corrupted spy operation, again, the Peter Strzok spy operation, Comey, McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, that whole gang, John Brennan, Susan Rice, all involved in the use of this Clinton DNC dossier, and yes, President Obama. So Judicial Watch asked for these records last year, and it's one year almost to the day, and they're due to us today. Now, I expect they'll be redacted. I don't know how much will be there, but it's good to see the stonewalling and cover-up are beginning to end, and these are documents that I don't know if even Congress has had access to fully. So Congress is going to be very interested in this, and it shows you why it's important to be in court and why it's important to have an independent entity like Judicial Watch pursuing these records in court. We're pursuing these records about the FISA warrant abuses. We're pursuing these records about, for instance, CIA Director John Brennan's leak to Democrats in the Senate to get the Clinton dossier, which supposedly was classified, into the public record. We're suing for records on Podesta the Podesta Group. I think we have at least 34 federal FOIA lawsuits on this deep state conspiracy and illicit targeting of Donald Trump. And I just checked the other day, my colleagues checked in with me, you know Chris Farrell, who's our Director of Investigations. He told me we have 201 Freedom of Information Act requests pending on this scandal. Congress isn't doing that. You can bet the media isn't doing that, but we're doing it. So we'll keep you apprised in all of this. A lot to talk about there today. Uh, but um, we're on it. We're on it. And the, the media can hyperventilate they, all they want about President Trump.
but he's right to be concerned about this intelligence community, which was corrupted under President Obama and is oblivious, in my view, to the corruption currently. I mean, Dan Coates, what is he doing? He's the office of director, he's the head of the National Intelligence, office of director of National Intelligence. The intelligence community, which illicitly targeted President Trump, or then candidate Trump, is still targeting him to a certain extent, and bent over backwards to protect Hillary Clinton. And they're still protecting her today. Judicial Watch asked for a damage assessment of the spillage of classified information that we know took place under as a result of Hillary Clinton's misuse of a server to conduct government business that included having classified information on it, which of course was open to virtually anyone who wanted to look at it, if you were sophisticated enough. And believe me, our foreign intelligence adversaries and friends are sophisticated enough. She had top secret information on that server, and the intelligence community was confirmed by the IG report they didn't want to do it during the Obama administration, and they still don't want to do it. So as they're going full bore against President Trump, they're protecting Hillary Clinton. And President Trump is criticized for not understanding, supposedly, the difference between Russia meddling in, the invest in our election and uh, allegations he colluded, that you don't have to put one with the other. Well, he's not misunderstanding it because the intelligence community keeps on conflating the two issues. There'd be no Mueller special counsel if there was no conflation of the two issues. One can agree that the Russians were trying to mess with us during the 2016 election. I'm sure they've been trying to mess with us since the time the Bolsheviks came to power, often with the help of uh, the left. That's not the issue. The issue is the false allegation generated by the Clinton campaign that the Russians were colluding with Donald Trump. And the intelligence community bought that to a certain extent in a corrupt way because they were partisan hacks and they're still pursuing Trump over it. And we're going to uncover it. That's the scandal of, the, of our day. That is the scandal of our generation. The abuses of those authorities to target then-candidate Trump and now President Trump. Well, I have some good news for you. We are, as you may know, have a significant election integrity project. We have actually an election integrity project that a part of which includes uh, doing the job that the Justice Department, again, has refused to do, which is requiring states to follow the law that they clean up the election rolls, take reasonable steps to clean up the election rolls. So, uh, for instance, if you don't vote for several elections or you don't communicate with the states who ask you if you're still around um, and then you don't vote for several elections, states can remove you from the election rolls. doesn't mean you can't vote again. It means that you have to re-register because usually that's an indication you're either dead or moved away or otherwise ineligible to vote. Now, the states don't want to do that. Many states don't want to do that. And Judicial Watch sued in the past Ohio and Indiana that resulted in their doing that, and the Ohio Settlement Agreement with Judicial Watch was upheld by the Supreme Court just this past term. The left objected to Ohio sending out one additional mailing and then waiting four years to remove someone off the rolls if they didn't respond to the election and didn't vote in two subsequent federal elections.
The left is crazed because they hate the idea of not having bad names, dirty voting rolls, because dirty voting rolls enable them to be able to better steal elections. Simple. That's why they oppose all of this. So Judicial Watch has been continuing to pursue this issue because the Obama administration didn't want to pursue it. Um, of course, we were going to do it independently anyway. We sued Kentucky over its dirty election rolls, and we've also sued recently California and Los Angeles County over their dirty election rolls. Great news in Kentucky. The case is over, and we won. There's a consent decree in place signed by a federal court judge requiring a Kentucky to clean up its election rolls. And Judicial Watch went in there. We analyzed the state. We found they had 48 counties where they had more people on the rolls than eligible to vote. It's a pretty good indication that they're not keeping their election rolls clean. Remember, more people on the rolls than eligible to vote. Uh, and uh, the worst state in the country in that regard. The worst state in the country. And so uh, we did our litigation. We sued. They refused to do what we asked them to do, so we sued. And the Justice Department, credit to the Justice Department, which I'm often critical of, took notice. So the election made a difference in the sense you had new leadership at the Justice Department under Jeff Sessions and his voter integrity section. They came in and also said, Judicial Watch is right here. You need to do something. So the Justice Department also, following our lead, intervened. And it resulted in a consent decree that includes, I don't want to read all the steps, at least 12 or 13 steps Kentucky is going to take in order to maintain cleaner election rolls. What a great victory that is. What a great victory that is. We're going to have cleaner election rolls and cleaner elections in Kentucky. So voters in Kentucky, good news for you. And voters across America, because of how voters vote in Kentucky, they send representatives to Congress and elsewhere, impacts Americans as well. So that's great news. Now, we're still pursuing our California lawsuit, because California is also a mess. Uh, Los Angeles, I think, has... I don't have the numbers here in front of me, but I think I'm tempted to say, well, like 114% of their voters on the election rolls. California statewide is a mess. Generally speaking, California doesn't remove you from their election rolls, despite you never voting, despite you dying, it looks like. They just don't do it. They, quote, call you inactive, but you're still on the rolls, and if someone shows up and says you're a person X, they'll let you vote, as long as you're on the rolls. What a recipe for fraud. So we're hoping that case uh, is resolved favorably as well. But again, it's Judicial Watch doing the heavy lifting here. I mean, it's not just we're doing the FOIA work, and we're actually suing states to clean up the election rolls. And our work is successful. And we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily have to sue to get results. We send letters out, and oftentimes states and localities will respond favorably to the warning letters, saying, oh, thanks for notifying us, or we got your letter, we took steps to clean up the rolls. So the lawsuits work, as it demonstrates in Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana, but the letters that we sent to, I think, a dozen states this year, and we sent it to another dozen, or probably some of the same states, because sometimes the problem goes on, 
in years past. We began doing this, I think, in 2012, so six years ago. And it ends up we're getting cleaner election rolls. There's no one else doing that. And so we're proud of the work, um, and the left hates it. They hate voter ID. They hate steps to clean up the election rolls. Uh, they hate the idea of ensuring citizenship verification. And I want to talk briefly about that. Uh, we put a new video out. Uh, well, it's actually a recycled video because I had given a speech last year to the Remembrance Project, which is a, a group that advocates for the victims, uh, family members of those who are killed by illegal alien criminals. And I made the point that it's not just stolen lives, but it's stolen rights uh, we have with a large alien population here in the United States, both legal and illegal. So there was a study by Old Dominion University, uh, a professor there, I think, uh, Professor Richmond, and he did analysis of election rolls and voting patterns, I think, in 2008 and 2010. And he found that uh, aliens register to vote in large numbers and vote in numbers large enough to affect the outcome of elections. And that those uh, outcomes specifically he thought were affected by aliens illegally voting resulted in Al Franken being elected to the Senate in Minnesota, which was the 50th vote or 51st vote for uh, all sorts of things Obama was able to do his first year in office, the stimulus, Obamacare and such. And it helped Obama win in, in North Carolina, I think, in 2008. It didn't necessarily turn the election in his favor, but it helped him win the state, North Carolina. So what I did was, again, what Richmond found is that uh, people register the vote who are not here legally, and those who are also here legally who aren't citizens also register to vote in federal elections. And uh, once you're registered to vote, even voter ID may not stop you from voting if you're an alien who's illegally registered. Because many of these individuals have the necessary identification in order to vote once they're registered to vote. Because no one's challenged at the polls for their citizenship status. So when you look at the numbers that Professor Richmond used, and I won't bore you with the numbers I figured out, but I'm, I'm guessing 43 million or so alien residents here in the United States figure out what the voting age population of that group would be, you take the percentages, and my back of the envelope calculation is about 1.1 million aliens illegally voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Now what happens, uh, Richmond found, is that aliens who vote tend to vote 80% Democrat, 20% Republican. So maybe Donald Trump got a few alien illegal votes as well. But 1.1 million, and that's probably a conservative estimate. So uh, the rule of law on election integrity is important. And of course, every one of those illegal votes is a stolen, votes of your, is a stolen vote of an honest American. It's either diluted or, vote, or stolen. You vote for candidate X, an illegal alien, comes in and votes for candidate Y, your vote's canceled out. So that's a significant crisis, and that's why we need, in my view, citizenship verification in order to register to vote or to vote. We've got 43, how many tens of millions of aliens here present in the United States, both legal and otherwise, who are not eligible to vote. The left would have you believe none of them vote. 
President Trump suggested five to six million voted. My back of the envelope calculation is 1.1 million. I think one vote may be too many, but certainly they vote in substantially large numbers. And anyone who tells you otherwise is blowing smoke in your ear. And this is an issue that needs to be dealt with, and Judicial Watch is dealing with it indirectly by require or forcing the states to clean up their roles. And I hope that includes making sure those are only on the rolls who are eligible to vote. But certainly, in the least they can do is making sure that dead people aren't on the rolls and people who live in other jurisdictions aren't on the rolls. So, uh, and you know, you would think the Justice Department and agencies of the Obama administ- Trump administration wouldn't want to protect, uh, this is another topic, the Obama administration, but the frustrating is they continue to protect the corruption of the Obama administration. And those of you concerned about the Second Amendment will be interested in this story. So in 2014 or 15, the Obama administration decided to try to effectively ban certain uh, certain uh, types of ammunition for AR-15s, which is a you know just a gun, uh, but the left likes to fetishize guns and pretend they're. Uh, have spiritual qualities, evidently, and are one. Some guns are more evil than others, and um, AR-15 ammo was uh, the Obama administration thought. Well, maybe we can effectively outlaw or restrict AR-15 purchase and usage by banning ammo for it. And so what they tried to do was uh, effectively ban certain types of AR-15 ammunition by classifying them as armor-piercing. So uh, armor-piercing ammunition generally is not available to the citizenry, and so they thought, well, we'll just call a lot of this AR-15 ammo armor-piercing, completely contrary to its effect and the practice of the uh, ATF, the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So that was, that was the game, you know, and the left is still trying to do this. They try to get at your gun rights by going after issues related to your gun rights, like making it more difficult to gain ammo, uh, restricting the uh, magazine size and things like that of uh, your uh, various guns and such. And as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not much of a gun person, but I believe in the Second Amendment, and I know what the federal government's up to in terms of their corruption as it relates to your gun rights. And so that's why we do these Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to pursue this issue. And we asked for this decision to try to reclassify AR-15 ammo. You know, they had to cut that off because the Republic reaction was vociferous against it. Hundreds of members of Congress told them to knock it off. And the ATF uh, backed off on it from it. Uh, the Obama ATF backed off from it in 2015. The, um, they backed off because the vast majority of the comments received in response to the rule, hold on, let me see, are critical of the framework and include issues that deserve further study. At this time, accordingly, ATF will not at this time seek to issue a final framework. So they didn't even wait for all the comments to come in. They saw the writing on the wall and they went running. So what Judicial Watch did was, tell us more about this decision-making you went on, uh, you undertook Obama ATF, and they found 1,900 documents that were responsive, 
And the ATF continues to withhold virtually all those documents. So out of all the documents they found, they just turned over, I think, 85 documents to us, 84 pages of records, and they found 1,900. And they've come up with all sorts of ridiculous reasons not to turn over the uh, additional records. And we're fighting them in court over this. And when I encourage you to go to our website and review the court pleading we have to file, we had the file in response to this gamesmanship by the ATF. And you'll see it's like we're fighting the Obama administration. Who's running the show in the uh, Trump administration with respect to transparency? This is why the president needs to intervene directly with the agencies to ensure transparency on all of these issues. I know the president wants transparency out of the government. I know the president wants transparency out of the government. But these deep staters running the show on a day-to-day -day basis on issues of transparency don't believe in that. They don't believe in the Freedom of Information Act. They don't believe in government accountability. They don't believe they are accountable, as in the case of the Justice Department, to either Congress, Judicial Watch, or the President. And you can bet the ATF, which is a, uh, a, a talk about an entity ripe for reform in the least, is contemptuous of the right to know. And so it's Judicial Watch that's in court on this. And I mean, this is a big battle because the left does want to attack your gun rights through ammo bans. This was a significant move by the left during the Obama administration. They were cut off because of public opposition. That's why they hate the NRA, because the NRA is very effective of mobilizing American citizens to object to uh, prohibitions on their gun rights. So we want to expose what went on. How did this come about? And they're being protected by this administration. So you should be asking, um, well, ask your congressman, why, why can they get the documents? Ask the administration, why aren't you releasing the documents? And of course, support Judicial Watch that's in court trying to get the documents right now. So a lot going on here. Um, I'll let you know about the FISA application information, the Carter Page uh, scandal documents that the deep state's been hiding from us for a year. They should be coming out, if not today, we should get them on Monday. So a lot to look forward to next week. So have a great weekend in the meantime. And as I said, be sure to support Judicial Watch's work. You know, our motto is because no one is above the law. That's why we sue and go to court against states, federal officials, and governments to make sure that they understand that principle. It applies to citizens and it all applies to the government. Thanks for joining us. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.